So in today's episode, I spoke with Adam. And one of the things that is unfortunate when you're doing Zoom podcasts is sometimes the connection isn't the best. So there are times when it breaks up, and I do apologize for that. And there's times when it may appear a bit jumpy. And there was some background noise as well, which was unfortunate. But we do have a great conversation um, about the neurological side of exercise, rehabilitation. And basically, um, Adam is a Z Health practitioner. And rather than say any more, um, I'll just let you guys listen to the conversation. And I hope you enjoy it. And Yeah, so yeah, because you've got quite a, few, uh, a lot of uh, f- links on your website with a lot of free information, haven't you? And I just, I just thought it was good to do it with, because a lot of people don't show that much on their on their websites. You know. Oh well, uh, I, I guess I don't look at other people's websites yeah. <laughs> that much. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting process, and I find education to be really crucial. Uh, something I continue to need to do more and more of with my clients because, you know, um, I mean, professionally speaking, I would be titled a personal trainer, um, and when most people, you know, come to look for a personal trainer, unless they're referred by another client who has, you know, had a really positive experience um, doing the neurology-based work, um, it's a little bit. Uh, abstract and out of the ordinary when somebody's coming, you know, like, I want to get fit, I want to get strong, or, you know, I've had this knee injury that keeps bothering me. And like, well, okay, let's look at your knee injury. You know, actually, I think the reason that you're experiencing so much pain there, um, it could have to do with, um, you know, motor control issues, it could also have to do with a head injury that you had in high school, you know, uh, that we actually look at all your reflexive muscle tone on that whole side of your body, your left side, and everything is is less than. So, you know, that knee's gonna be less stable. Um, your pain gating mechanisms on that side or your brainstem are gonna be less less efficient or um, you know, your threat levels are gonna be higher. So, yeah, I need to put a lot of that on my website. Hopefully that they'll, they'll take a look at it. Um, you know, one of the things uh, that I'm, I've been meaning to do for, for much too long is, you know, have some more welcome videos and, and a more uh, thorough intake process where there's a strong education part of it before my clients even come in to see me Um, because often our first uh, you know the first hour to 90 minutes we spend with each other is just education I I do a lot like a full neurological exam um, testing all their cranial nerves well maybe not all their cranial nerves a lot of it depends on their 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 health history um, and what they're presenting with but you know if they're if they're pretty if they have a long history of uh, of, of this the issue, then we yeah. may need to do a full neurological exam. Could you just explain to somebody what that would be in a practical level, like a you know what the cranial nerves are and how you test them? Yeah, um, so your cranial nerves are all in your brainstem, uh, which we, well actually ten out of uh, your twelve cranial nerves are in your brainstem. Your optic nerve and your olfactory bulb. Um, are a little bit higher. They're, they're deeper in the brain. Um, but your brainstem is where all your re- reflexive or your unconscious um, mechanisms uh, are in your body, uh, to, put it, to put it simply. That's where, you know, we don't have to think about our breath. We don't have to think about our heart beating. We don't have to think about digesting our food or even our posture or balance. And, you know, the, the, there's multiple areas, but we can just think of that's all goes on in your brainstem. Uh, 
And as we, you know, experience different injuries, different traumas, even things like gut dysbiosis, um, digestive issues, those can all affect the function of our brainstem. Uh, and on a uh, kind of a precognitive level, we, we wouldn't be aware of it. An extreme example of, um, you know, damage to that might be someone with a stroke. You know, you could see someone with a stroke and, you know, profile view, everything looks fine and they turn the other way and it's droopy and, you know, very poor muscle tone. Um, on a much smaller scale, we may have that going on with, with ourselves. You may notice sometimes when you look in the mirror that one of your eyelids is a little droopier um, or as you smile, you know, part of your face just doesn't have as much tone on the other side. That could indicate something with either your 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 facial nerve or your trigeminal nerve. Um, those are all uh, nuclei in your brainstem. Other things, a lot of it has to do with eye movement, um, our inner ear, uh, our digestion. Those are all things that are uh, regulated by our brainstem. Uh, and if we have, like I said earlier, like issues with them due to different uh, traumas in the past, that could affect their function. Um, now, if we're trying through exercise to improve our posture, to improve our strength, our balance, we can do that through, you know, sit at balance exercises. We can do that through strength training exercises. Um, but if the underlying messages are not very strong, uh, then it's kind of like we're trying to build a house on a, on a substandard foundation. Um, so I, I hope I sort of addressed your question, like in layman's terms, why is it, what are the cranial nerves? Let me just retrace, go back in. What are the cranial nerves? They are the computer chips um, and programs that run our most basic functions of our body that we're never aware of. And thank God we're never aware of them. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, isn't it? Because people don't really understand just how much of our body takes care of itself with no awareness from it at all. Yeah, exactly. You know, in 90, 95, probably up to like 98% of all the functions of our body we're never aware of, you know. Um. <laughs> and, and just how much the body is, is like constantly compensating for everything we do. <laughs> we could think we're in perfect health, but our body is this amazing machine that continuously compensates all of the time. Precisely. Yeah, <laughs> we, we're, we're compensating all the time and we never have to be perfect. We never will be perfect, you know. You know but it's like we're, you say, you know, often, um, well, you'd know this you know, far deeper level than I, but when you think something is injured, it, it's sometimes, no, it's just a neurological message that's missing from the brain down to the nervous system or the limbic system or that part has never fully healed because the brain's mm -hmm. like, oh, hang on, is this safe? Are you okay to do this again? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like we have. Uh, um, are you familiar with David Butler's work or uh, OPTP? No, um, I'm not. No, or uh, not enough coffee this morning. But uh, I'll send you <laughs> some re resources. Uh, Lorimer Mosley, you know Lorimer Mosley. Okay, um, there's some stuff to kind of check out. They're, they're and there's one other guy I can't remember his name, but they're on the very forefront of like pain research, but. In a way, like say we have had an injury, like a knee injury or, you know, uh, an ankle injury, which has led to some like arthritis in our knee over time. Um, you know, like one day it's fine and the next day it's, it's really throbbing. And then 
you know, again, it goes back to being fine the night, the day after that. And it's kind of like, or, or, or more specifically like back issues or neck issues, you know, what is it? You know, I didn't, I didn't fall. I didn't, uh, I, I just kind of slept wrong, you know, but when you look at it holistically, um, it could be, I didn't sleep very well. And thus, you know, my stress levels are up. I have more inflammatory, you know, um, uh, molecules or hormones in my body and that you know my brain reacts to that and says well I'm gonna create like a little alarm sign a little alarm signal and since I know how to create pain in my your, your back really easily I'm just gonna create that pain in your back to get you to slow down um, so I can start to kind of feel safe um, an example I use like a central example is something called a threat bucket um, and the threat bucket is god damn they're so fucking sorry that's right it's an adult <laughs> podcast you can swear as much as you want <laughs> my uh my, my co-worker gets so loud sometimes um let's see so like think think of our nervous system like a bucket yeah okay? and we can use the word stress and threat meaning the same thing right uh and a stress we might think of is I'm worried about money, you know, or I got in a fight with my, my wife or my partner, or my kids are really freaking me out, or I, you know, traffic was super bad. Another stress we can often think about when it comes to fitness is food, right? I'm eating junky food, inflammatory foods, processed foods. Maybe I'm too much alcohol, um, not enough water. We can talk about electromagnetic stress, you know, like EMFs from uh, all the Wi-Fi, uh, 5G and all that. Um, those are all, and, and we could add on to that, you know, bad sleep, not enough light. Those are all stresses that our nervous system picks up on, right? Unconsciously um, uh, or consciously. You said like, oh, I'm really stressed out about yeah. all this stuff. Um, and so then there's the conscious stresses and then the unconscious stresses. Uh, and as we said earlier, you know, our nervous system is picking up and interpreting signals way more, you know, 95, 98% we're never even aware of. So you know, as that bucket or stress bucket or threat bucket starts to fill up from traffic and fights and, you know, bad food, it fills up and fills up. And rather than spilling over the top, which we would call like anaphylactic shock, like we go into, um, you know, nearly die, we have this little release valve right near the top and it's a little spigot and it spills out. So as all those things come up, it starts to fill up, it leaks out that release valve at the top and that presents differently in everybody. For me, you know, it'll start to be like a lot of stress in my neck, you know, or my, my left knee, you know, from an old football injury, my knee yeah. starts acting up, um, you know, years ago, it was my back until I cleared that up. But we all have these different outputs. Some people get uh, digestive issues. Some people get sick. Some people get headaches, um, you know. So uh, where was I going with this? Oh, this is just a central example of kind of understanding pain, right? Um, and it has to do with cumulative stress. Uh, that our nervous system is perceiving. So when it comes to like old injuries, particularly traumas to the head, uh, those are all kind of unconscious. When we have issues with our brainstem, uh, like now, instead of my bucket being, my now my bucket is always like half full because of all this stuff I'm not really aware of because of these old traumas to my head um, because of vestibular deficits, which is your vestibular system is your inner ear. Yeah. Um, and then there's also uh, vision too. We take for, as human beings, we rely a lot on vision to be able to feel safe. It's probably our primary mechanism 
whereas a lot of our four-legged friends rely more on scent uh, and sound to be able to feel safe. Um, but we, we rely on vision. Now, vision is a lot more than just being able to read the words on the page and being able to see your face clearly. You know, there's our peripheral vision. There's our ability to track moving objects. There's depth judgment or depth perception are all components of a vision. And then there's also clarity. Like, is that a snake or is that a hose? You know, those are all <laughs> yeah, really yeah, yeah. important things to be able to see. Um, but on an unconscious level, those can all be affected. Uh, I see often people have hard time tracking moving objects or judging distance and also our peripheral vision. So, you know, again, these aren't things we're aware of, but if there's a deficit there, that's always elevating our stress levels on an unconscious level. Our, our bucket is now that much more full. So it doesn't take much or it takes less like, I ate an inflammatory meal last night, or I didn't sleep very well, and suddenly those old pains uh, or start acting up again. Or it could be, you know, digestive issues or whatever it is we're dealing with. So, you know, when someone wants to improve their fitness or their posture or their balance, some of the easiest things we can start to do are addressing those kind of precognitive deficits in, in their brainstem and their uh, their their neurology, uh, and then then we can start having a more solid foundation to build fitness uh, and function on top of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Okay. Because I think people misunderstand um, that sometimes what you think is a sports injury or, you know, you're training or something. And it's why there's definitely a big movement more lately that about recovery, stress levels, sleep levels before you train and being aware of what they are because there's a lot more research now that says actually a lot of these injuries are not overtraining. You just weren't emotionally or stress-wise in a good place to train in the first place. And you think, because there is this very much this ethos, isn't there? Uh, look, I, I can just train my way out of stress. You know, if, I, if I'm having a bad day, I'll just go and hit hard in the gym. And I'm definitely guilty of that. You know, I'll, I'll just go out there and do, I know what, I'll do 500 burpees because I've had a really shitty day. Do you know what I mean? And sometimes that, that is good for the body because you're getting rid of some stress and some tension. But if it's being multiplied over a few days, I'm probably literally damaging my body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like you just said, it. Re recovery is, is huge. Uh, and you know, I've been in this industry for, I don't know, 15, 15 years and certainly recovery is getting a lot more attention in the last, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, honestly, since I'd say I credit CrossFit a lot yeah. um, with uh, bringing to light the importance of recovery, particularly like the CrossFit games, when, uh, you know, those athletes really push themselves to the max, they've got to take the recovery uh, seriously, professional athletes too, but, you know, even pro athletes, like, you know, pro baseball players and football players, you know, you ask them for, for years, like a lot of them just, you know, take they just abuse their bodies and yeah. don't take good care of themselves only the best you know like your your tom brady's your your jerry rice's and and the people that can really play into their you know their 40s they've they've been taking care of themselves and, and taking their recovery really seriously um but to your point about kind of use exercise as a way of of, of, of releasing, you know, things that we can actually be doing, you know, a bit more harm, harm than good. Um, and, uh, yeah, I kind of lost my train of thought there, but, but, um, well, you were talking about, uh, CrossFit, 
how you know CrossFit um, kind of really did bring people people's attention to the purpose of recovery. And I think it was through CrossFit about ten years ago, maybe even a bit longer. I learned for the first time about myofascial tissue and the importance of rolling and stretching and you know working out knots and tissues and the the, the nervous system. The way I'm trying to think or was it, it was either through yeah I think it was through CrossFit. It was the first time I ever heard the term myofascial. Yeah, the myo, our, our myofascial system is like, uh, well, uh, you know, myo refers to, um, I'm not going to sound like I'm trying to be smarter than I am. <laughs> I, I don't remember what myo is. I think it has, I mean, myo, myofibrils are, are your, um, you know, small structures within your muscle. So I'm assuming myo refers to muscle. We have a lot of different types of fascia in our body. Yeah. Um, you know, fascia, I like to describe it as like, it's like, imagine if you took a piece of meat and you wrapped saran wrap around it and then yeah. you kind of twisted the ends and then put another piece of meat around there and wrapped it around and twisted. That's kind of like fascia within our muscular, muscular system. Uh, and that it also our, our tendons and ligaments are, are kind of that twisted end. That's, that's part of it. Now there's, it's innervated. There's, there's a nervous, um, system tissue there too, but we also have fascia that covers our, uh, our organs. Um, we have, we have fascia around everything. It's this giant, like a uh, lattice, like, you know, network, um, you know, almost like a spider webby material and it communicates incredibly fast. And yeah, and, um, you know, foam rolling became very important or using the stick and, and, you know, that's just, a an easy version of, of, uh, of, of working your myofascial system and, and moving lymph through your body that, you know, or the skilled body worker can do, but it's nice that we have some agency over our own, you know, well-being and recovery with these tools that have emerged in the last 10 to 15 years, um, you know, through the fitness industry and then CrossFit, you know, and CrossFit is this double-edged sword there, you know, it's, it's brought to light a lot, the importance of recovery. And then also, you know, for those wise enough have, have learned that they can't like go and kill themselves all the time, you know, like, yeah. uh, the majority, you know, of, of, of training is, you know, sub sub maximal training, you know, we've got to like train to be able to perform at a high level. And I think one of the mistakes if, if people make, if they don't have good coaching is, you know, the way you get better is by going hard all the time, you know, yeah. I'm going to go in, what's the wad of the day, you know, the, the more often I can go in, the fitter I'll become. Um, and people with that outlook uh, learn rather quickly that it's, it's, it's a flawed outlook. Yet I still believe that's, that's the message kind of being put out there. Um, not by CrossFit, but um, just, I don't know if it's media or, or, or what, but, or that was the message being put out there. You know, now there is the importance of, you know, taking off days, not killing it all the time. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a difference between training and exercise. This is the one thing that I, I like to say to my clients, you know, if you're training, you're working towards a specific goal and you, you're trying, whereas X, if you Going to get a sweat. Um, just feeling better than I did. Sorry, can I ask I you to repeat that? Because literally, just as you workout. said, sorry, can I ask you to start again? Because literally, as you said, there's a difference between training and exercise. The audio cut out my end, and I didn't hear you. Okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> my apologies to people well, listening. This is, is the, the thing with Zoom meetings. 
<laughs> no problem at all. Um, yeah, there's a difference between training and exercise. You know, when we train, uh, we have a specific goal or goals in mind that we're working towards systematically. You know, hopefully we have a plan uh, to get there. And then over the course of our training, we'll be able to reassess if we're actually reaching, reaching our goals or working towards our goals or not. You know, and if we're, if we're not working towards our goals or, or um, getting closer to them, then we can at least reassess and see what part of our training program is not working for us or do we need to address. Whereas exercise um, is, in my opinion, just feeling better, you know, feeling our body. We're, we're going to get a sweat. We're going to move our muscles. We're going to move our joints. Uh, and then hopefully I'll feel better at the end of an exercise session than I did at the beginning. Um, but there's not really a goal in mind other than trying to feel better uh, in our body, you know, reduce pain, improve my outlook on life and whatnot. Um, but yeah, so that's my difference between training and exercise. How did you get into this and when was it? Um, well, the this this type of approach i'd say i i learned about five or six years ago um i mean in 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 college or you know university i had i was pre-med i always wanted to go into either physical therapy or acupuncture or chiropractic uh care and then um you know post-college i I had, I I'd worked a little bit in a physical therapy clinic and I was really ready to pull the trigger on going to chiropractic school because chiropractic had done so much for me over the years um, to improve, you know, help me recovery from injuries and, you know, football and, and rugby yeah. um, and martial arts. But I started to experience some chronic low back pain, um, like debilitating low back pain that I dealt with for about seven years. Um, and I, I did a lot of chiropractic work, um, with many different types of chiropractic. I worked with physical therapists, um, you know, structural integration, rolfers. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to go down the list, but I tried a yeah. lot you know, and I really gave it, I gave it a, a solid shot. It wasn't like a one and done type thing. And, but I never got any relief more than, you know, a day, um, or even half a day. Yeah, one of my teachers calls it parking lot syndrome. You you feel good, <laughs> and then you get out in the parking lot, and then it comes right back. So um, I decided, and, and in that time, I was a personal trainer. I was I was coaching high school football and running the strength program for them, and working as a trainer um, uh, to earn some money and and allow myself to have a flexible schedule until I decided what I wanted to go, go back and really dedicate myself to. But in personal training, I realized you know, everybody that I was working with had some sort of pre-existing injury uh, that we were always working around as we started to add more stress and more load to them, you know, it would just eventually become the limiting factor uh, and always trying to, you know, work around that and rehab it, you know, doing foam rolling, doing, you know, corrective exercises is what we call it. And, um, you know, personal training. Um, I've never been a big stretcher and I'll, I'll get into that a little bit uh, later if we want to, but what led me here is I was, was, was my own journey with pain and back pain and not finding any relief in the, the methods that I was, I was seeking. And I decided I'm not going to get an MRI. I don't care. I, I, I know enough people who've had back surgery that it, it, you know, works less than 50% of the time and I'm young and just not going to even, I don't even want to know if there's a problem to be honest. Yeah, Cause, yeah. um, so I, I discovered something called MAT muscle activation techniques. 
developed by a guy named Greg Roscoff. Uh, it is a, um, there's a lot of muscle testing involved, very specific uh, muscle testing. And then we would have different techniques of activating. You know, if there's a weak muscle, we'd look for different patterns of the body. Um, we would be able to activate them. And one of the essential things, and this kind of ties into stretching, is MAT looks at things that is, well, you know, our nervous system is what governs movement of the body. And really a tight muscle, like classically, you know, men with our hamstrings, you bend forward like, oh, I can't touch my toes, my hamstrings are tight. MAT kind of flips it on its head and is like, well, those hamstrings are tight because the flexors on the other side, say your hip flexors or quadriceps or abdominals, you know, just speaking generally, are weak. So instead of stretching your hamstrings, what if we activate and strengthen the muscles on the front and then you become more flexible? So were your hamstrings tight or were your hip flexors weak? Yeah. Uh, and time and again, I could, I could see, you know, I could see flexibility improve dramatically. So I'm like, well, <clears throat> and that's all kind of governed. We're trying to work on input to the nervous system. That fixed my, my, my daily back pain. Um, but I still couldn't work out. Uh, I still never knew whether a workout or an exercise session or training session was going to make my back hurt worse. I'm like, well, I'm not in daily pain. I don't have to worry about picking my kids up, but there's still more. And that's what uh, my first MAT teacher was also a Z Health teacher. And I discovered Z Health created by um, Dr. Eric Cobb. And Z Health is it's many, many things, um, but it kind of evolved out of a field of chiropractic called uh, functional neurology. Uh, and functional neurology is a little different than, you know, uh, allopathic neurology, you know, allopathic medicine is like our classic medical doctors. If you were to go to them and, you know, see a neurologist, most of the tools a neurologist has to treat you are going to be medicine and drugs. Uh, and they're not going to prescribe, uh, you know, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but this is my interpretation, you know, uh, unless you're like at a certain threshold of deficit, that you're not going to get a drug like there's a lot of people that may have like sub-functional deficits whereas functional neurology is you know we're doing uh, cranial nerve evaluations and other things and, and you're going to try to address it with exercises you know eye exercises or balance exercises and stacking different kind of stimuli so that's I don't know. I got off topic a little bit there, but that's kind of what led me there. And yeah. MAT uh, and Z Health, I credit. I I don't deal with back pain anymore. I'm not really concerned with uh, you know whether a workout is going to break me or I'm not going to be able to get out of bed the next day. So that's kind of what led me here, and that's been my focus for the last six years. So what did you discover about your own back then that was causing the problem? Um, a couple of things. It was a combination probably of some repetitive ankle injuries that I had uh, starting in high school football, some really bad ankle injuries and continued through, um, you know, college rugby. Um, you know, I was compensating around it unconsciously, you know, the way I would move. So, you know, I, I didn't realize that I was moving around like some restrictions in my ankle, carry that up the chain. Now my, so it's my left ankle. Now my left hip and my knee are going to move a little bit differently because I can't uh, support myself on my left ankle quite as much. That hip is moving. Now my pelvis is getting rotated out of alignment that carries all the way up my spine. So I'm constantly compensating around that. Um, so that led to probably some SI joint issues and some, some back issues. Also couple that with the number of head injuries I had, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I can't tell you how many head injuries I've had playing football, football and rugby. rugby. We'll do that for you. <laughs> I remember one time in a rugby game in college, I went into a ruck and uh, I was going to ruck over a guy and got pushed and like 
went inside of my head went into him and I got up out of it and I couldn't see out of my left eye for like 30 seconds and so I like went blind I'm like well whatever you know it's gone it's gone you know just keep playing I'm like oh that was actually probably a pretty significant head injury yeah I mean if, if you know if you temporarily lose sight that, that that's a major sh- function yeah. of um of the nervous system and your optic nerve you know yeah yeah. So, uh, yeah, a lot of head injuries that led to some vestibular deficits. I started to do some different vision testing and balance and coordination testing. I realized I had some, you know, cerebellar issues and uh, the brainstem issues. So that was affecting my, my the pain gating mechanisms a lot on my right side, um, which is where I had a lot of my the back pain. So, um, you know, someone can have all sorts of structural uh, compensations and I've seen it with people and they're like, I don't have any pain. I'm like, really? You look, you, know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you look fucked up. And like, but you know, everybody presents differently. You do know? you um do you know the a game called Jenga where you have all those little blocks and you have to you pull one out and the, the structure goes from being a solid structure and every time you pull a block out, it starts to kink and twist. Do you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. That that's how I describe people. As you get older and injured, that's what your body's starting to do. And until eventually you is one too many and that, the whole structure will collapse on you and that can either be your knee will give out your back will give out you know you can't sleep you'll get a migraine or whatever you know that, that's basically your body's version of jenga yeah yeah that's a good way a good way of putting it you know but for, fortunately with with a living system we can start putting some of those pieces you know back together back in there um you know maybe not all of them but we can do a lot to to repair and um uh yeah so we we can we can we can repair a lot of it you know and that's that's what's pretty cool and empowering you know when you start learning about it you're like oh well thank god you know i'm not this uh robotic structure or you know wooden structure that loses pieces and that's just the the fragile system i have to work with um uh for the rest of my life you know yeah so yeah could you just actually because i have heard this before about um, static stretching and some of the problems that people don't realize they're getting into when you're stretching, especially a muscle that isn't activating very well. Uh, talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my um, opinion, the, the sensation, you know, I would say from a neurology perspective, like the sensation one has of, of stretching is more a muscle contracting that says, I'm not going to let you move there anymore. Um and I have seen time and again, like addressing different systems. Can we pause just one second yeah. on the podcast? I got to go um, yeah. do, do something. Just one. Sorry, there we go. That's okay. Back to it. Okay. Um, back to stretching. Let's see. Yeah. So it's that sensation of stretching. And, you know, I've seen, you know, I can have somebody do uh, an eye exercise, what we call like a pencil push up. You can yeah. just. This is one to try on your own, especially if you're a tight, have tight hamstrings. Um, you know, you could bend forward, try to touch your toes, stand up. And then, you know, you can just look at your thumb, bring your thumb into the bridge of your nose, reach it back out, just follow your thumb in and out to the bridge of your nose and back out, and then reach down and touch your toes again. And, and that's not with everybody, but I see it often enough, like suddenly I can now reach down another six inches, you know, farther or two inches or whatever it is. So what is it, you know, was it tight hamstrings or was it my nervous system that was restricting my movement? Um, And, uh, you know, different eye movements can affect 
what are called flexor or extensor synergies. Flexors are all the muscles on the front side of your body. Extensors are all the muscles on your back side of your body. Um, and due to different kind of injuries, uh, we may be hypertonic. We have like a lot of tension on the back side of our body, which is going to restrict our ability to move forward. Um, or the reverse, you know, maybe we have a lot of weakness on the front. You know, maybe we have some damage there, so we can't flex very, very much. Or combination thereof so uh when we start understanding you know again the brain stem how that affects posture now that can also be affecting only one side more than the other we may be like have a lot of tension on the whole back side of my right side and you know the left side is normal so we might start to see that posture where like you know one shoulder's up or one shoulder's kind of more rounded forward um similarly we can see something around like maybe there's some pronation of the hip on that same side um we can start to see like how it's actually my my neurology that's affecting my my flexibility and mobility um there's also our uh, our cerebellum um cerebellum if you look at the brain uh from the side it's that little kind of small wrinkly area on the uh, bottom back of your brain that has uh, a lot to do with what we call the ABCs of movement, accuracy of movement, balance, and coordination. If we have a deficit in the cerebellum, maybe we can't move very accurately or coordinate our movements around that. Um, and at an unconscious level, because we don't have great coordination, our flexibility or mobility may be compromised, right? Uh, on top of that, um, uh, on top of that, there's something to be said for, you know, static stretching, like, oh, when I'm in one spot, I'm in a very safe environment, you know, in, in I'm gonna say yoga or whatnot, or I'm stretching yeah. in the gym, great, I can reach forward, and I can move and I can bend. How much value is there in that compared to when you actually have to go use it? You know, when I'm moving in space, when I'm you know, moving in my daily life, just going for a walk, moving around the office, moving around my house, or then elevate that to sport running around in the field. Um, if I have uh, some deficits in my, my, uh, my vestibular system, that's my inner ear or my visual and mobility that I gained from being able to sit I can't see very well. I can't interpret my air speed. So a controlled environment when I'm just sitting there and stretching, when I actually need that mobility and need that flexibility when I'm moving in a very dynamic way. Um, so it's more important for me is, you know, when we're doing our exercises, uh, be it, you know, with weight training or be it with body weight, um, what kind of motor control you have uh, demonstrating in, in, in exercises and movement, moving in 3D. Does that make sense yeah. about why yeah. I don't like to stretch that much? <laughs> no, no, it does. It's like, because like you say, yeah. when, you, when you're I in... I have seen enough evidence where... But it's true, isn't it? Because, I mean, the, the classic one is, is everyone says, you know, like type hamstrings. But your hamstrings are probably tight because they don't want to activate because they're trying to hold your hips in place. So, so, so what's the cause of that? And like you say, it's, it's great if you're sitting in a gym before you're going to do some exercise or in a yoga studio and you're, right, I'm going to stretch everything because, you know, because that's what I believe in or that's what I'm going to do. But that actual functional side of it doesn't necessarily move into the day with you. If anything, because you put mm -hmm. your um, muscles through that, 
actually may later cause you a problem because your muscle, you put it in an uncomfortable place by stretching it and stretching it and stretching it. And during the course of the day, you might sort of neurologically, your body might freak out at that when you go to do something simple, like walk up some steps, bend over to pick something up. And it will be like, nah, uh, you weren't listening to us earlier when we said we were tight and didn't want to move. So now we're going to contract in a way you won't like to stop you doing it. Because that's neurologically is, is what kind yeah. of, in layman terms, that is what the brain does. You know? And I think mm. people, people don't often realise that, that. you know, Like I said, it's, it's not, I'm, I'm very, turning it into something very simple. But more often than not, when something goes wrong, that's your brain saying, you didn't listen to us, so I'm going to create a different stress response that you can't ignore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're we're not really getting to the, to the root of it, and uh, yeah, if you're gonna force me into something that I don't want to do, then I'm gonna I'm gonna complain. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna make sure you listen to me. <laughs> um, so when yeah. somebody comes to and, see, uh, sorry, go, on. go. No, go ahead. I was gonna say when somebody actually comes to see you, how, how do you start mm-hmm. and assess? You know, so if if I was able to get over to San Francisco, and was going to come in and see you, just like, you know, I, I just want your assistance and support what is it you'd actually do for me so the first thing i would do it you the the health history and intake form are some of the most valuable uh tools that i have to start with and really dictate um you know the first hour to hour and a half that we have with each other um you know in that you're going to tell me what your goals with working with me are Uh, it might be you know i have a chronic knee issue which i just want you to help me work around because i you haven't been able to, you know, follow an exercise program or I can't run anymore. Um, or it might be that, Hey, I want to, I just want to get fit. I've heard you get some really good results. You know, my friend Sally has said great things about you. I'd really like to work with you. Yeah. Um, you know, either way it starts with the health history and that's where we're going to look, um, at, you know, what kind of injuries you've had over the years, either chronic, um, or, um, acute, you know, like, have you had any car accidents? Have you, you know, had any falls? What kind of sports did you play in the past? You know, old ankle injuries, um, scars are another thing that we look at, um, you know, piercings, burns, um, all those things <clears throat> are, are, are things that we're going to start to look at. Like, it might be, um, I don't want to put it. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of the start. Uh, and that'll dictate what we would look at in our evaluation process. The evaluation process, we'll look at uh, how you walk. We'll look at your gait. The gait tells us a lot about what kind of uh, compensatory uh, movements you've got going on due to some of these old injuries or due to some, uh, you know, brainstem or cerebellar deficits that are going to affect, you know, your posture while you're walking. You know, we can see how, you know, do this on the street now. Uh, Today, start walking, watching people walk, and almost everyone, you're going to see one arm swinging a lot more than the other. Um, and that could be, uh, due to maybe they had a shoulder injury on that side, but usually it's their brainstem or not their brainstem, sorry, their cerebral cortex, their front side of their brain on the opposite side is not quite as active. Um, so we can do some exercises to activate their frontal cortex, uh, and then suddenly their arms start swinging again. Anyway, I'm going off topic. So working together, we'll look at your gait. Uh, we're going to look at your posture. Um, often we'll look at your posture with your eyes closed because uh, that tells us a lot about your uh, your vestibular system. Um, so when we don't have our eyes to orient us, you'll start to see people start to wobble. Um, their head will start to rotate or drop or certain postural deficits get a lot more exaggerated. So gait, we're going to posture, we're going to do different coordination tests. 
um, to check the cerebellum. Uh, then we'll do muscle. I'll do a lot of muscle testing with people uh, to check for patterns, uh, whether like flexors on one side of the body are all weak or extensors yeah. or midline structures uh, are very weak. Uh, we'll look at different eye movements uh, specifically. Then depending on somebody's uh, history, we may go through more of the cranial nerves. We may start testing you know, scent, we may look at, you know, muscle tone on their face. Uh, we may look at um, uh, the uh, uh, vagus nerve uh, is another one, particularly if they have issue, uh, histories of, of digestive issues. Um, there's a close correlation between uh, people with digestive issues and actually vestibular inner ear dysfunctions. Um, so, you know, it can go vice versa. Somebody with a lot of digestive problems, we can do some uh, training with their, their inner ear and vestibular system to help with that. Anyway, so we go through all of that and then, um, you know, correlate that with their goals, you know? So okay. if it's pain uh, that we want to work with, usually we can address a lot of that. We're going to need to work with their uh, their eyes and their inner ear um, in addition to motor control issues. If it's, I want to get fit, then we're going to find the exercises uh, and movements that you can do really well uh, and start to train those while we're rehabbing some of the other things that are going to be a little bit more threatening. Okay. Um, you mentioned something which is a big interest to me, this scar tissue. Because I've had probably, mm -hmm. I think I've had over 50 stitches around my body over the years, a few staples mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, I've, got, I've got so much scar tissue. What's the problem with scar tissue? I've not heard this one. Um, well, scars are a little like, again, going back to that threat bucket analogy, yeah. we, we rely, our skin is our largest organ in our body, like surface area wise. Um, and we have, you know, so many different types of nerve receptors in our skin. We've got different receptors for vibration, light touch, hot, cold, deep pressure, uh, rubbing, tickling, um, you know, and, and beyond. So when we have, uh, and that's kind of like our, you know, our deflector shield sort of, if we're like a spaceship, you know, um, it's what alarms us to, to things that are dangerous. If something's creepy and crawling over my foot or if something's too hot. Now, when we have a scar, it's like a dam it's damage to that part of the, the deflector shield. So those sensors in that area are going to be more dysfunctional or less functional. We may not be able to perceive, um, you know, tickling or fine touch, or we may register something that's sharp as like, oh, it's just, it's just a toothpick, but we may register it as like, what the fuck was that? You know, it's just, a, <laughs> it's just a toothpick, dude. Like, no, you were trying to stab me and kill me. Yeah. Um, so our ability to interpret those signals is a little bit off. So, and we're getting, we're, our, our nervous system is constantly getting input from that. But again, we're not really ever aware of that. So scars can be a problem, um, particularly around like pain um, issues because we're, we're constantly getting a poor signal uh, or an inaccurate signal from those parts of the body. Does that make, make sense a little bit? It, it does. And like I said, the reason I find that interesting because I think I've split my head open like in, in I think it's seven different places. I've ripped it open at some point or another. Um, yeah, I got four four staples in here in college rugby. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. I've got that's, yeah. Um, six staples. Especially six, the, the 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 closer it gets to the the head, the more threatening it's going to be. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There's um, one, two, three, four, five. Six. Yeah, seven seven different places I've smashed my head open over the years, 
Um, only last year I managed to put 10 stitches in my leg and I cut my leg down to the bone. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I've, done, I've done everything, do you know what I mean? I, I, I'm, you know, I've got ankles that are hanging out and everything. So over the years. But it was, yeah, I, I just never realised that having so much scar tissue could be potentially such a problem. Um, yeah, and it's not like uh, going back to what we said in the beginning. Like we don't have to be perfect, but the, no. the more we have uh, in our history, the more tools we have to leverage um, to get some improvements. You know, or or at the same time, we're like, well, everything's you know, everything we're trying isn't working. Like, oh well, let's look at some scars, particularly um, you know around the head traumas. They had like soccer players um, yeah. with all the he headers they got to take, or you know, contact sport athletes. Um, be it you know boxing, MMA, or well, so so, so somebody that grew up, say like myself, who grew up playing soccer and boxing, and has smashed his head open several times, probably has a few neurological issues going on. Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, you know, at the same time, there's, there's there's there may be something to be said for it. Also, like there's a degree of conditioning and like. I don't want to put it. We, we've, you've also developed a, a bit of resiliency and, you know, you're not going to be quite as sensitive, like on, a, on an unconscious level. Yeah. There's probably some, some problems there, but on a conscious level, like maybe you just not as bothered by. Uh, oh, definitely. The... Definitely. You ask anyone who knows me. And like I said, every, <laughs> like, like last year when like I literally did slice my leg down to the bone, my brother and I had a debate in the garden about whether or not we could just tape it up with some glue and some tape or whether we should go to hospital and actually have it stitched up. And you could see the bone. That was the discussion we were having, like you and I are talking now. And I was just as we were literally looking at it and it's just like, yeah. So, so basically the, the, and what made me decide that I needed more than what I could just do at home is I pushed it together and when I let it go, it just flopped back open again. It's like, yeah, I, I don't think glue and gaffer tape is going to be sufficient. So you're right, yeah. I've had that many injuries. I just, you know, and I'm texting people on the way into the hospital like, oh, I won't be at work tomorrow. I've cut my leg, you know. And they're like, what do you mean you cut leg? Oh, no, no, it's, it's, it's right down to the bone. Do you know what I mean? And, and my brother's <laughs> driving and I'm just texting like, and I've just got a, a tea towel wrapped around my leg holding it up, holding it all together. Yeah. So yeah, so you're it's right. I, an it's an asset and a liability, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely dumbed me down a little bit, probably to a level of danger. You know what I mean? But I, I, yeah, I, and now you've said that, I can, I realise, yeah, actually, that, that, that's happened to me before. I was surfing and, and ended up with six stitches and six staples and was pretty much bleeding out on the beach and being attended by the lifeguards. And they were like, this is, you, you're losing a lot of blood because I did cut it quite deep. But yeah, I was just like, no, no, I'm, I feel all right. <laughs> and I mean, somebody else, you know, it sounds like, you know, you, you've, you've got a healthy outlook and, and, you know, a, a well-functioning body and, and everybody's different, you know, like yeah. somebody else, like I might have had all these same traumas that you have and like, I'm wrecked, you know, like I'm in constant pain and, uh, you know, I, just, I, I don't know what to do and, and you know, mis massage and stretching just isn't working and I don't, and I'm, I don't know what's going on. And, you know, everybody's different. We can have mm. the same health history, but, you know, I've got different parents. I've yeah. got diff different genetics. I've had, you know, just different brother and uh, siblings and a different outlook on things. And then I, I, I interpret and perceive and things differently than you. So I am um, just before we finish off, because I am conscious of the time, because we've nearly done an hour already. 
Um, is it um, any like I said, and I will put the links in because, like I said, I have looked at your your website, and there was a lot of information on there of exercises that you can do for yourself. Um, but are there any like? And I know it's very hard, and I don't want to sort of pin you down to anything. But are there any sign of like generic telltale signs when somebody comes in and says, oh, "I've got this" or "I've got that"? You're like, "Okay," or common symptoms like I don't sleep well, or you know, or my back. Is there anything that when you hear something, you're like, "That's probably going to be this." Mm, no, um, not like that. There, there. There's some low-hanging fruit that I think yeah. will start to help lots and lots of people with different uh, different issues. You know, whether it's my you know my knee or my tight hamstrings or or my poor posture, um, you know, or you know, you name it. I would say some some, some powerful tools to start to improve those um, uh, breathing exercises. Yep. Um, and I and I kind of want to say that generically because. You know, there's lots of things. I love the the Wim Hof technique. Yes, um, uh, it, that's something that's very popular right now. I love what he's trying to do. Is like, you know, make that available for the masses. But you know, the last like three four years, like breathing, uh, conscious breathing. I mean, it's we've been doing it our whole life. Yeah. But and and, and yogis and, and and different types of um, you know spiritual practitioners have been breathing practices for a long time. But now it's really started to filter into like the fitness and performance world. So I'd say doing some sort of breathing exercises uh, is a fantastic way of improving your performance. You're reducing pain, improving balance. Um, you know, box breathing is another one that's been taught uh, in the, the U.S. military. I think a lot of other um, different military organizations. So I'd say you could look up box breathing. Uh, you could look up, uh, you know, Wim Hof breathing. Uh, and then a martial art that I practice is something called Sistema. It's less known about, but breathing is a foundation of that. You can also look into Sistema. Yeah. Um, so and also eye exercises. Um, again, that's something that's been in from the few yoga classes I've taken. You know, we start stretching the eyes. Um, you can do a lot of different eye exercises. Uh, I mentioned one today called a pencil push-up. Um, you can literally just, you know, kind of stretch your eyes. You can look at your thumb up right, up left. Um uh, challenging your eyes in different way and like a sports vision training way uh, is another way of starting to improve uh, lots of performance uh, metrics, you know, be it pain or improved endurance. Those are probably the easiest ones that people are not addressing that they could start yeah. working with and say. Okay, cool. Yeah. And we'll, we'll leave it there. And oh, sleep. Okay. Sleep. A, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sleep. <laughs> yeah. Well, s- sleep is probably one of the, the biggest things in modern life. That is a, a factor for almost every complaint out there. You know, is I think if, if anybody out there can come up with the go-to, you do this and you'll get eight nine hours sleep or whatever your body really needs. You're you're made. You you, you know you'll be richer than the Amazon guy by the end of tomorrow night. <laughs> I could I should take that advice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I need I, to take my own advice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but so do you actually? Um, have a theory on sleep because I'm somebody that has never in my entire life I've, I don't ever really recall unless I'm unwell sleeping more than for about six hours um, I could do better with uh, with less sleep and why some people need more which is yeah that, I mean do you have a because some, some people are like everybody needs eight to nine hours sleep and I'm just like that can't be because I've not just you know, even even when I was a young teenager, I've never been a big sleeper. Sort of six hours. 
I definitely would say I could do with having deeper yeah. sleep now. I seem to sleep a lot more lightly than I ever did when I was younger. But yeah. Do you have any theories on whether... I think the majority of people, I, I don't think we can, as a species, probably deal with less than six hours of sleep chronically. Yeah. Like, that's probably the, the cutoff. I think everybody is different in their requirements. Like, you know, some people need, you know, they say seven to eight hours. Some people need nine, you know, yeah. ideally. And some people can do more with less, like six. I think anyone who says they can do with five, you know, or, or, or less might be deceiving themselves or it's more like the extreme exception yeah. to the rule, you know, and it's like those, those are the loud, you know, that's what we hear about. And like, oh, well, then that's what I, you know, I should be a striving towards and like, well, that's really that's the outlier you know that's the professional athlete <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. oh definitely. i want to get fit i'm gonna i'm gonna do tom brady's workout no like there's a lot of other things there you know um that make it so that they can they can work out that hard or similarly like this person who can survive and thrive on five hours of sleep is like you know a fraction of a percent of of all the people on, yeah on on earth <laughs> no that makes um, sense yeah, yeah. but no. uh I mean, I could go off on sleep. <laughs> well, because, yeah, but, I mean, sleep is, is a big one for a lot of people, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? So, but... The last thing you said. Oh, sorry, I was, I was, I was saying sleep is a big one for a lot of people, but it, it's, it's, it's probably one of those ones, the, the topic is you need to know so much about an individual's life. Like, you know, everything from, you know, like what time do you go to bed? How do you stimulate yourself during the day? How are you shutting down before you try to go to bed? What sort of routine are you having? You know, it, it, it's, you know, how much caffeine do you consume? What sort of foods do you eat? It, it's, you know, but it, it's, it's so complex for sleep. Yeah, yeah. It's fortunately something I don't have to... I, I, it's not something I've had to deal with a lot with my clientele um, yeah. in the in the past. Like, and let you know, I, I can't think really offhand of anybody who's, you know, any clients that I currently am dealing with that have you know big sleep issues. It's mostly just uh, coaching around, like, you know, why are you staying up so late? <laughs> you know? um, Put the phone down. Kind of, uh, yeah, that's more like behavioral modification, you know, and, and habit coaching uh, than it is like, I just, uh, my, my sleep is terrible all the time, you know, and that is an issue, you know, sometimes, and I think you can, how late, you said it already, like how late you are, you're eating, um, you know, how much screen time, how much blue light exposure you're having, um, you know, there's certainly, I, I've had some clients, you know, who wake up like, often throughout the night and then they'll like have anxious thinking and that's where breathing exercises can sometimes and often have been really powerful for them uh, yeah you know something like box breathing um but more often than not it's just like you know i want my adult time i want to watch my shows late at night i'm like well yeah you want that yeah <laughs> that's, that's your choice you're an adult you know but 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 don't don't complain to me why you're not losing weight or you're not making gains or you're always hurting all the time because you know your sleep is suffering yeah. so no i mean it's, it's true isn't it it's it's like when it comes to physical results the best physical results come with a good sleep pattern mm -hmm. 
Yeah. yeah. It can address so much. <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, a lot of what we're after, you know, through exercise is to, uh, or, or, or people's goals of achieving through exercise are more to offset, you know, other bad habits like, you know, overindulgent eating, staying up too late, not sleeping, uh, poor stress management. Um, you know, I, I, it's, you know, exercise is really very very small part um to this uh, of the solution that people are seeking however it can be a very powerful catalyst for creating change um you know and sometimes that's that's the wedge we can put in to start to break things open uh and addressing those things that, that really do need to be changed that are much more important than you know how many calories i'm burning in the gym or um or whatnot Perfect. And that's probably a great place to stop. Cool. That's well, thanks so much, David. It was, no. it was fun talking to you. And you, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it very much. So.